this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, light the fire number three. So far in this series, we have talked about the book of Acts church, right? The very first church, how to live that on fire for Jesus life, like they did after receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? First week, we, we talked about how they received it, and then last week, we talked about the first thing they did after receiving the Holy Spirit, and that was to testify. They shared the gospel with passion, powerfully, without fear, and they saw thousands come to know Jesus in a single day in a pretty tough environment. But it didn't stop there, okay? And we're going to keep reading today, <clears throat> just sort of jump right in. Uh, to to the story where we left off last week in Acts 2. Now, they continued to preach Jesus everywhere they went. They included him in everything that they did. Their entire lives changed because of Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were on fire. They were passionate. They were being the church, not just attending church. There's a difference. Amen? <laughs> Let me show you what I mean. Right from Acts 2 in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That piece of scripture should rock our worlds. Just those few couple of verses should absolutely change the way that we look at the church, the way that we interact with the church, the way that we are the church. And I want to talk about each of those four things today in the, from the, let's just read it one more time, Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We're going to talk about each of these four things individually today because I believe they are so important to the modern day church. And isn't it amazing, by the way, that even 2,000 years ago, they were doing church in the way that we're still supposed to be doing it today. I know it looks a lot different. We have microphones now and fancy lights and stages, and we have all of these uh, tools, right, to help us communicate, but still meant to be the same spirit, with the same spirit, with the same attitude, with the same joy and generosity like this passage talks about. And so, first of all, learning more about Jesus. Let's just dive right in. The apostles' authority here is actually more important than maybe we give it credit for. I have it listed as the apostles' teaching. I originally had it listed as learning more about Jesus. Like I was, at first in planning this, I was sort of going to downplay the role of the apostles. Like it's about learning, not necessarily from the apostles, but, but about Jesus. And it is, it's about learning. We must always be learning more and more about Jesus. It's something I have absolutely devoted my life to and will never Never be done. The learning process is also the growing process and all of that. But what hit me when I was studying this is that the rest of the, the things on the list, the other three things on that list, don't just happen naturally. They must be led. And so I kind of backtracked a little. In fact, I don't even have it changed in my notes just on the screen because it's not just about learning, although that is incredibly important. It's also dedicating yourself to a healthy leader, um, an apostle in that case, and, and really the, the teaching of the Bible, not just learning, if that makes sense. Just hit me as I was studying this. Uh, leadership must model and maintain that healthy environment of the church. The other three things on this list don't happen without the leader making sure that they happen. Uh, I was talking to someone recently, and I started describing the church like a garden. Uh, when you have a healthy church culture, toxicity might 
creep in, but it's naturally weeded out pretty quickly. Uh, how many of you are gardeners in here? I'm a gardener. I love to garden. It's coming up in the spring. I'm already itching to get some seeds in the ground. But So with a healthy garden, the gardener can easily, quickly come along and just pluck out little weeds, right? It's easy. Things are organized and well taken care of. There will always be weeds popping up, but the gardener comes along and easily plucks them over time. Things stay healthy. A healthy garden naturally sort of weeds out the unhealth. But in a disorganized, unhealthy garden, weeds will quickly take over with a a gardener that's not consistent, that's not pulling up weeds, right? That's maybe too afraid to pull up the weeds. The weeds tend to overtake, and, and then it's a toxic culture where there's some fruit, but not much, versus a healthy culture with lots of fruit and only a little toxicity. Does that make sense? The church is much the same. When you have a gardener that's not tending to, I'm mixing all kind of metaphors here, but when you have a shepherd that's not tending to the flock, um, things don't flourish and naturally toxicity takes over. The church, just like that, it's up to the leader to make sure things stay healthy. Weeds must be tended to consistently or they tend to take over. The role of the leader cannot be understated. The more I studied this, the more I realized that. In fact, when I'm slacking on my job, when I'm slacking on my own self-leadership, when I become unhealthy as a person, the church will follow suit. I believe that's why the Bible takes church leadership so seriously. Have you ever read the, the qualifications for church leadership? They're steep. It comes down to what you do with your personal life, right? It's not just a job. It is a life. And it really does, it takes constant maintenance. But when we're all unhealthy, the rest of this doesn't happen well. And so the world will look at the church like, well, why would I want that? I've had conversations like this recently. Why, why are Christians the most judgmental people? Why, why when I walk into a church do I feel so <clears throat> judged and gossiped about? Like they don't even know me yet and they're already... And I had just had to be real. real. Like they were like, I hope this doesn't offend you as a pastor. I'm like, oh, no, honestly, I get it. Christians can be toxic, but that's because humans are toxic naturally. Our selfish nature is naturally toxic, right? We have to train ourselves and submit ourselves to the authority and teaching of Jesus every single day. Die on the cross, or die to our selfishness, and live out the way that Jesus intended. And by the way, I believe that this there's this trend going on in the church world right now um, where there's like mega churches all over the country that have provided a way for people to have small groups in their homes based on their own teaching. There's this trend that people only do small groups. There's no leader. There's no shepherd. There's no pastor. Just a small group. And they don't go to church regularly. That's all they do. I believe this style, the Acts Church style, you need a pastor, you need a shepherd. I don't think that can be understated. There is an element of the church and the way that it uh, interacts with each other that includes exhortation, which is more than just encouragement. It is, if you know my husband, he it is Aaron Pringle to a T, somebody who can speak truth to you, but you somehow leave feeling loved by it, not judged. It's encouragement, but also you just beat me up a little bit like ouch that truth hurt (laughs) my husband's so good at it but we need that in the church you need somebody who can speak who can be real with you and tell you when you're off a little bit right so teaching learning what's number two fellowship with one another they devoted themselves to fellowship with one another this is a word that I grew up with the word fellowship. If you grew up in the church world, you, you know what it means, but it probably sounds weird to people who didn't, like churchy, you know what I mean? The word fellowship is actually derived from the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia, everybody say koinonia. 
Koinonia can be defined as holding something in common, and it's specifically used 20 times in the New Testament. You can look up Philippians 2, 1 to 2, Acts 2 here in this passage, uh, 1 John 1, 6 to 7, if you want to know more about this term. But koinonia, holding something in common, it, it describes the unity in the spirit that comes from Christians' shared beliefs. The, the convictions, the behaviors that we're all supposed to hold ourselves to. It's that thing that ties us all together. We don't have a better word in the English language for it than fellowship. In fact, I think Pastor Isaiah was saying this week, we don't have a great term in the English language for friendship in general, like the love that is experienced between friends. We, we just have love. It can describe my love for coffee and also my love for my kids. Like that, It's not the same kind of love, right? We don't have a word for that friendship, this fellowship love, not one that really gets to the heart of koinonia. But we use fellowship because it's the closest. So fellowship, you know, biblical fellowship produces our, our mutual cooperation in worship, in work, in God's will being done around the world. We just have to make sure we stay healthy enough to enter into it because attending church is not fellowship. It's the way we attend church that can be fellowship. Does that make sense? We all have this tendency to sort of sit back and allow our selfishness to slip in. We hear this a lot with like critiques of the church. Like, whoa, I came in and, and nobody greeted me. I came in and everybody seemed to have their own friends. They didn't talk to me. Uh, Christians are so judgmental and whatever. You know, we talked... We did talk about Christians being a little judgmental last week. That's not koinonia. Gossip, not koinonia, right? Being stingy and withholding or or vying for power and authority. These are not things that the early church did. Remember the verses. They shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They were family, truly. It went deeper than just attending church together. They were in each other's homes daily, sharing meals together, great joy and generosity. It's this, I believe, that Jesus was talking about when when he said the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here now. Yes, in some places he was also talking about when he comes back, and that'll be the kingdom of heaven. But he also said, but the kingdom of heaven is here now too. And it's this style of living the style of living that Christians are meant to live. Loving one another selflessly, giving to one another with joy and generosity. He meant living like this passage describes. This isn't how most of us live. We don't share everything we have. We judge one another instead of being kind and generous to one another. We gossip and withhold, even within the church. Right, joy and generosity. It sounds a lot like being vibrant, passionate, and selfless, doesn't it? That's who we are called to be, not just as the broad church, the big C church, but Freedom Valley itself is called to this, to be vibrant, passionate, and selfish. Our selfish, selfless fellowship should be joyful and generous. I get the unique perspective of seeing this happen within the church a lot. And I say unique because maybe you all see it too. I hope you do. But my guess is that I can feel it the most. You all kind of sometimes see the undercurrent of people's behavior, uh, the, the behavior that people hide from me. Don't look at me like that. I know you hide stuff sometimes. Your, your language just naturally cleans up around the pastor. I get it. Uh, but I think I get to see the church at its best a lot. Like, I see people loving each other and becoming family. My favorite thing that the church does is I, when I get to see them give to each other anonymously, like, it just tickles my heart sometimes because uh, sometimes I see people that need something. They don't want to advertise that they need it, but they need it. They need help financially. They need food in the fridge. They need clothes on their kids' backs. They're they're desperate about it. They hate to ask, but they need it. And I get to put that, like, I'll send a text out. I did this last week. Send a text out to four or five people and immediately realize, I think I texted too many people. Because each and every one of them replied back with, yes, I'm going to the store right now. I'll pick something up. 
and I get to send somebody home with a trunk full of food. Just nobody knew who it was. I mean, <laughs> it's not like they were giving to a specific person. They just gave because they knew there was a need. That's this concept. That's koinonia. And it's amazing when I get to see it happen. Like when we cover kids for back to school stuff or at Christmas, it's people giving to people in a complete, totally unselfish way. Like they will never see the rewards of that. They will never see those faces on Christmas morning opening the gifts. They'll never hear a thank you other than from me or whoever's running that program. But, you know, they don't know these families, they don't know their names. I get to see that beautiful thing that the church does but the givers often don't and the amazing thing to me is that they don't need to or the people who sponsor kids for camp we talked about that today most of them have never been to camp like how many people in this room have actually been to that pendel bongiorno conference center camp like a handful but most of the room has not i i have grown up there like a probably been there three times a year since I was in sixth grade. It's practically my second home. Like, I get what happens. I get to see kids giving their lives, pouring their hearts out to Jesus, walking away from those altars with smiling faces but tear-stained cheeks, and then happily go get in the pool all afternoon. It's an amazing (laughs) dynamic, Um, but it's such a great experience. Most of the people that give to the kids that go don't ever even see that. You just give selflessly. It's an absolutely amazing, beautiful thing that I get to see the church do. I also get to run and attend a home group that comes together every week. We've done it for probably five or six years now. I think we're probably on our fourth or fifth like crop of people uh, who we've discipled through home group. We get to watch these people move from strangers to family just by sitting in a circle in our living room on the floor, like eating some tacos and just getting to know each other. Like it's an amazing, almost, I want to say magical, but it's supernatural, right? It's, it's a beautiful thing that happens. I, I often say discipleship happens best in circles, not in rows, right? Because you can hear good teaching maybe on a Sunday morning in a, in a row, but discipleship happens when you're looking eyeball to eyeball to somebody, <laughs> that you know their name, you're exchanging parenting advice, you're in the home. You know, you can tell things about people in their home. Like if you walked into my house right now, you'd see baby things just everywhere. I swear they spawn overnight. They just show up. There's baby things everywhere. There's uh, probably lots of cooking things out because we cook a lot lately. The house is kind of tidy, but not really clean because we're better at being tidy than clean. Uh, you, you could tell some things about me from the way that I live in my own home, right? Things that you wouldn't know from just seeing me at church. I see these relationships in home groups just absolutely blossom, and it's beautiful and amazing. But as much as I love to brag on the church and this particular phenomenon, every time I do, maybe not every time, a lot of times when I do, there will inevitably be someone that says, well, I was in crisis and no one helped me, right? I've requested things from the church or church people and I got nothing. What about me? What I have observed in response to that is that you get out what you put in. I have been so well taken care of through each and every one of my babies. I have had babies, three now, (laughs) since I started working at this church full time. And every single one of them, I end up with a closet full of diapers and clothes. I, for Arrow, right now, I have bought one outfit. The kid wears like three of them a day. I bought one. (laughs) And he hasn't even worn it yet. It's too big. I don't know what I was thinking. Because the church has taken care of us. Yes, there have been family that give things, but it's been, by and large, the church that takes care of us. And I, it's because I have given my life to it. I know that. It's not because of who I am as a person. It's because I have given everything to the church, and it gives back to me when I need it. I've seen this happen over and over and over with people. But when you don't give much in, people don't know you enough to want 
to give back, if that makes sense. When, when you do give into it, they will naturally want to give back to you. Their hearts will jump at the chance, at the opportunity to help you in crisis. It just that is what I have seen happen over almost 15 years now in ministry. There are some of us, though, that come in during the five-minute countdown. We slip in, say hi to just the greeters at the doors. We slip right out immediately after. We, we don't serve anywhere, don't get to know anyone, don't attend a small group. And then you want, when you want the church to, to respond in crisis, they don't know you. Maybe it will, and I, and I see people give anonymously, don't get me wrong, but I just don't see it happening that way usually. Instead of focusing on how the church can serve you, respond to you, welcome you, focus on how to serve it. Give your life to it and watch it give back to you. Not because eventually you'll get something out of it, although that is just a phenomenon I have seen, but because that's what we do when we're fully devoted to it. That is fellowship. That is koinonia, this term that we don't really have a name for. It's, it's friends and family living together, doing life together. Let me just say, if you are a slip in and outer, right? Slip in, slip out. I am so glad you're here, but you are missing out on a big piece of what the church is and what it does. Get to know some people. We serve them. We used to have this when we had multiple services years ago. There was this idea that I picked up from another church called Sections. I doubt any of you even remember this because it was really I had a couple of people assigned to each section in the church, and it was their job to not make themselves known as the section leader or whatever, but just to serve the people in their section. They'd show up early. They'd talk to people who came early. They'd stay a little late, talk to people who were there late. Uh, and we don't have a whole lot of people coming early. so <laughs> It wasn't a whole lot, but there was one guy who did it so well. Uh, he actually, he showed up early, and every single week there was this little old woman that, that came in with a walker, and she struggled to get to her seat, and she picked out her seat, she put her stuff down, and then she struggled to get to the cafe and get coffee, and then she came back. And he noticed this trend over time. One week he asked her for her coffee, or like how does she like her coffee? And then the next week, instead of her struggling to do all that, he was at the door waiting for her with coffee the way that she liked it, he helped her to her seat, chatted with her a while, and then moved on to the next person. And he did that every single week after. It was amazing. And, and that's sort of what I'm talking about here. You don't have to sign up for necessarily kids ministry or sing on the worship team or, or whatever to, to enter into the, to, to serve people like we're called to serve people. Just show up early and help somebody get a coffee. <laughs> You know, get to know them. Love the people that, that just sit around you in church. If you only know my name, for example, <laughs> or a couple of the greeters, you might have this a little bit wrong. Do more within the church. Give yourself to it. I promise you, if you pour in, give your life to the local church, it will change your life for the better. I've seen it happen over and over and over. Friendship hits different <laughs> in this way. In fact, I was at a birthday party yesterday. I think Becky's probably in the back, but I heard her say, she said, I read a study lately that said, we are the generation without a tribe. She said, I just don't feel that. Surrounded by people that were like helping her give cake out. <laughs> she said, I just, I feel like I have this tribe. And I'm like, me too, but I think that's rare. I think that's because we have the church. <laughs> we, we, I hear a lot of people complaining about this, women in particular, and part of this, like, um, Hanover Moms group on Facebook. You know those groups I'm talking about, where people post anonymous things all the time? And uh, Snacktown Mamas, I heard somebody say it. And I see people constantly, women, posting... I have all these people around me, but I'm the one always reaching out. I'm the one always doing stuff. Like, I need a group of friends. I think there were a few this week that you're reading the same things as me uh, that just said, I need friends. Like, I don't have anybody around me. We have this built in. This is what Jesus was, this is what he had in mind when he built the church. Do you know Jesus was the first one to say the word church? In the Bible, I mean, in history, really. It's a, 
I forget what the Greek word for it is now, but it actually means it's a military term. And he used it in the context of what we now know as the church. He was creating a whole new thing. It didn't really have much to do with the temple and, and the things the Jews did back then. It was a whole new movement. And this is how they were meant to behave. I have had friends outside the church over various times over the years, and it just, friendship, when you're both believers, it's just different. You immediately have something in common, right? There is this joy and generosity underneath all of it. The friends that I've had that, that weren't believers, we could still connect, but there, there, it always felt like there was this part of me that was hidden, and it was a big part. I couldn't share those things with that friend. And, and it was almost like they have to be a believer to get to know me fully because otherwise I just I can't be in it completely. It's, it's a different friendship. I've heard this. Again, I feel like I'm scratching at a term that doesn't exist. Right? It's soul friendship. Does that make sense? This is fellowship. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship with one another. The third thing is that they shared in meals. And I actually think this has a lot to do with friendship. Aaron and I say a lot that uh, food is people glue. It somehow magically, I mean miraculously, knits people together in ways that not eating together doesn't. I, I can't describe it. There's something magical that happens when you break bread with other people. You get to know each other. In a different way. And it's why we try to build some of that into our culture with fun events like Friendsgiving and the chili cook-off and Christmas cookie contest and cookouts and things like that. We, we try to build some of this in because new friendships are formed. New friendships are formed around those tables and fun rivalries, you know, competing with chili or whatever. People getting to know one another and building new bonds. This is actually closer to what I think communion should be, by the way. We practice communion as a church, right? We have the little cups and the wafer and the juice, and we, we thank Jesus for what he's done. But really, that should be a reminder to do this every single day at home. It's actually where I believe the practice of praying over our meals comes from. You know, the Bible doesn't actually say you should pray over every meal before you eat. It's communion, Right? We sit down with other believers, we thank Jesus for what he did, and then we eat together. That's, that's the Lord's Supper. Reminding in, in everyday life, and I think Jesus put it around food because it's something that we do daily. Three times a day. Every day. You put food in your mouth, right? Okay, maybe not three times every day. Mine's more like a hundred times every day, but, you know, uh, that's more like what communion should be. Thanking Jesus for what he's done. Thanking him for providing me daily bread. Thanking him for his body broken on the cross and the blood he shed for us as I eat and drink with other people. And then we can encourage each other as we eat. It's another reason why I love home groups, actually. I'm trying to build more of this this year, by the way. So if you are a partner, please... Lead a home group this year. Invite people. to. This is really what it takes to be a home group leader. And I've had people step up and, and do these before. Uh, it's not just about opening up your home and saying, whoever wants to come, come. It's about creating a community. And that takes intentionality. It takes you intentionally inviting people to come. Home group leaders have to be dedicated to inviting people to come or it will fizzle out eventually and you'll be like well just nobody wanted to nobody was available on a Thursday night no you just forgot to invite people after a while probably invite them or you live very far away because <laughs> that's another thing <clears throat> but you have to be willing to step outside your comfort zone and invite people into your home that you don't know well the way that we <clears throat> live and work and entertain ourselves it's all in the home <laughs> Right? You can tell what somebody's priorities are when you're in their home. You'll notice things about them you wouldn't have noticed before. Serve teams do this too within the church sometimes. When they meet every single week, it works better. 
But there is something about sharing a meal together, about being in homes together that is just, you know what the other thing is about a meal, I think, is it's inescapable. You have to wait till the end. You can't just get up and walk away. You have to create conversation, <laughs> right? Or it's just awkward and you're just sitting there looking at each other, feeding your face. This is actually one of the factors. I read a study lately um, of kids who grew up within the church and stayed in their faith, like kept their faith through adulthood. So many of us lose it along the way. But there were two huge factors. I think there were some other ones too. But the ones that stuck with me were the kids had a meal with their family, no screens, no whatever, just a, a meal together. And they had at least one spiritual experience in the home weekly two biggest factors in keeping their faith. And you'll notice none of them have to do with attending kids' ministry. It's what you're doing in the home. Sharing meals together is incredibly important. I don't even think I've scratched the surface of why. I'd love to read a study on that. But it's incredibly important. The early church had this right. Fellowship, sharing meals together, and finally prayer is number four. The last piece of this puzzle here is prayer. They devoted themselves to these four things. They prayed together. The first church, the Book of Acts church, prayed together. If you're you're sort of noticing the overarching theme of this series, we're, we're looking at the things the early church did within the context of the Book of Acts. You would think prayer would be one of them. In reality, it's a part of all of them. The early church prayed constantly. They wound prayer into every piece of the church. I'm starting to realize as we're going through this series just how much prayer is a part of this light the fire idea. You need it. I don't think probably most of us, probably 99% of the church today, we don't pray enough. All right, we've already talked about this so much in this series, but the early church didn't pray pithy little prayers like please protect us, and God, please shelter us from everything. They did, they did sometimes pray for protection, but it wasn't their main thing. They prayed that God would, would make them bold and give them signs and wonders and cause them to stand out in their community so they could be a light and a help to them. Right? They knew they had the answer to life, the, the power in life, access to Almighty God who loved them enough to send them Jesus. They, they couldn't keep that to themselves. And their constant prayer was that God would make them bold. You know, prayer is mentioned in one form or another 10 times in the book of Matthew, 12 times in Mark, 5 times in John. Luke mentions it 19 in his gospel and then 32 times in Acts. My takeaway from that is that being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't make you pray less because God is walking around with you, but more, a lot more. Because God is walking around with you. We don't have to go to the temple anymore or be clean anymore just to, to connect with God. I get to talk to him, hear from him, communicate with him every day, all the time. I think once the believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, they prayed a lot more than ever. But what happened after the church prayed? I just went through the book of Acts and pulled out a couple of things. This is not meant to be a a comprehensive list, certainly. But what happened after the church prayed? We have the day of Pentecost in chapter 1. We have earthquakes and evangelism, not once but twice, chapter 4 and chapter 16. We see the resuscitation of a girl. Do you remember the story of Tabitha? She rose from the dead in chapter 9 after prayer. We see a miraculous release from prison in chapter 12. We see the healing of a chief official's father, and then many more. It says many more were also healed that day in chapter 28. I mean, healing and earthquakes and amazing things happened after they prayed. And what did the church pray for? They prayed for its leaders. Chapter 1, 6, and 14, they prayed for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 8, they prayed for sinners to repent. They prayed for missions. They prayed for physical safety. I did see one of those. It was hard to find, but I, I did see one. And they prayed for healing a lot. When did the church pray? In times of crisis. There were a lot of those. Seven, chapter 7, chapter 12, twice in chapter 12, chapter 16. They prayed when they were making decisions or establishing leaders. They prayed when they were repenting. 
They prayed when they were saying goodbye to each other. I mean, they were constantly in prayer. The church prayed habitually. They prayed all together as the whole church. The apostles prayed alone. The leadership prayed alone. Peter, we see Peter praying alone. Paul, Cornelius, we see Jewish women praying alone. We, we actually see whole actual prayers. Like we get the words of the prayer a couple times as well in chapter 1 and chapter 4, for example. A lot of these are accompanied by fasting, by the way. The early church prayed. The point here being we don't pray enough. Now, as a people, as a church, as individuals, I don't think we pray nearly enough. It's why we started the Intercessors Prayer Team this year, because I need people who are passionate about prayer, praying as a group, consistently, faithfully. But also, I find so many people in the church are terrified to pray out loud in front of people. And my guess is, this is just a guess, but my guess is that it's for a few reasons, but the biggest one being that you don't pray enough personally. That you can tell when somebody prays. I, <clears throat> I probably shouldn't say this because it's going to scare you for what I'm doing next, but when I was a kid's pastor in the back, I would, it was my, one of my favorite things to challenge the kids to pray. I'd have them pray at the beginning of service. I'd have them pray over the offering. And I'd have them pray at the end. So they're hearing me pray sometimes and modeling that, but they're also practicing it. Like in the microphone, kids love talking to the microphone, uh, and just in front of the group. And I could always tell who prays at home, whose parents are praying at home with them. Right, The words that come out, <coughs> you can just tell. They know how to start a prayer. They know how to end a prayer, right? It's, it's the things that they pray for are consistent and whatever. You can always sort of tell. When you're not praying at home in everyday life, it makes a difference, a big difference. I don't think we pray nearly enough. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pray. Right? We're actually going to end this sermon today by putting you all on the spot a little bit. I can feel you getting nervous. I love it. This is what I want. I want to put a little bit of pressure on you, just a little, today, because I want to ask if anyone is willing today to pray out loud over the church in the microphone, pray for all of us. This isn't a time to preach, mind you. Okay, I'm not asking you to pray for your individual prayer requests or to tell the church everything they're doing wrong, just to pray over us as a church, right, to pray these specific things over us. Right, if you're passionate about who we are, to be vibrant, to be passionate, to be selfless, pray that God would, would pull out gifts from our body and we would function in the way the Acts Church just pray over us as a church. Can we do that together today? I'm going to come off this stage and I'm going to pass the microphone around and I'm going to ask a couple of you, would you just... Pray, But first, <clears throat> let me just say, all of these things in the Acts Church, the things that we read today, they are observations of the writer. They're descriptive, not prescriptive necessarily. Meaning, this scripture is not telling us what we should do as a church. It's observing what the church did. Do you see the difference? Meaning, the writer... <clears throat> is just sort of reporting on what they're seeing. I believe that this is what the spirit-filled church will naturally gravitate toward. Okay, I don't know about you, but it's the kind of church I want to be. And I want, I want this church that is vibrant and passionate and selfless enough to, to learn with each other, to grow and change together. A church that feels like family, who eats together and prays together and takes care of each other, and ultimately a movement that is attractive enough to add to our number daily. Because I believe that is what naturally happens when we are living the gospel message, not just speaking the gospel message. That is the answer to why Christians are so judgmental. <laughs> I've been talking about this conversation for weeks. It's because we start with this, something happens in our minds or we start to speak it. It comes out of our mouths, but we're not living it. The church will live it when it naturally 
digs into Jesus. It's what naturally comes out of you. Do you remember the series with the wellspring? A couple of years ago, I had a well sitting on seat. It was bubbling over with smoke, and it was, anyway, it was cool, dry ice thing. But the, the idea there being when we pour Jesus in, what naturally comes out is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are what come out naturally. When those come out naturally, we are attractive to the world. Does that make sense? So by telling, by saying today that you should go home and pray more, I, I, I don't mean just change behavior. I mean, we need to change our hearts. Dedicating our whole hearts to Jesus will make this happen naturally. Amen? Okay. I'm going to pray. I'm coming down on the floor to just give you a little more pressure. Make it a little more nerve-wracking. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask who else would like to pray over us before we end today. Father, we thank you and we praise you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you that you are humbling us, you are working within us, that you are daily sanctifying us. Thank you for making me a, a better person. God, continue to bring out gifts and talents within me. Stretch me, challenge me, use me, God, and with me, the rest of us. Bring out gifts and talents in this congregation that have never been there before. Let us meet needs in our community that we've never been able to meet before. Let us uh, be that vibrant, passionate, selfless church that you have called us to be. And let us change the world with the message of the gospel. God, I just pray the Holy Spirit would fall today. You would baptize in the Holy Spirit all over again. You wash us with the Holy Spirit, that we would just feel that love that comes from the Father and it would overflow out of us onto the world around us. Make us that church. Let us be known for the way that we love each other, the way that we fellowship with each other. We share meals together. We give selflessly and sacrificially to one another. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. Thank you for modeling a selfless life, a sinless life. God, let us be more like that. In Jesus' name. Who else would like to pray? I already see some people waiting in the back. Maybe come meet me halfway so we can see you a little bit too. Father God, we come to you this morning, Father God. First, we thank you for the headship of this church, this body, this flock. Pastor Aaron and Pastor Candace, Father God, it doesn't, it's not easy. Again, it's not easy, but they're here faithful servants. You've heard your woman servants plea, Father God. We're asking you to raise up a body of people, a church right now. And I say to each and every one under the sound of my voice, if you're here and a part of this, you have a position. You have a position, a unique position. I ask, Father God, that you would speak so clearly to every hearer, every heart that they would begin to seek you and thirst and pant after you in the name of Jesus in your ways. The book of Acts renewed, revitalized, rebooted, afresh in the name of Jesus Christ. Eyes to hear, eyes to see, ears to hear. I plead the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach over everyone. Let these hearers be doers and not just hearers. Whatever is in their life that is broken down, shore it up. Build it up, strengthen it, traumas, everything that would stop them, illnesses, financial worries, the devil's a liar. He wants to keep us distracted with things in our own personal life so we can't be that army going out to the herding, to the byways, in the highways. Bring everything that is needed for such a time as this we've been raised up. The world has need of what we have to give them, that is Christ Jesus in all his glory. Everyone in here will be bold warriors from the top down. Children's ministry, helps, cafe, whatever your role is, you're in the army of the Most High. We're one. Again, I plead the blood of Jesus, strengthen us to be bold warriors, but let it all be clothed and cloaked in love. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray like that. Can I have you all stand and just, would you just put your arms out and receive these? 
Father God, I just thank you that you love each of us individually, uniquely, in spite of ourselves. You love us. Father, give us your love. Baptize us with that kind of love that selflessly loves others. Father, Father, I just repent for the judgment that is so quickly and easily in our hearts, Father God. Father, give us your eyes to see, your ears to hear people. And Father, baptize us with your love, Father, that gave. Jesus, you gave up who you were. You were God. You laid it all down. You didn't count that as even important. But you gave that up for us. Father, help us to love others in that way. In Jesus' name. Who else would like to pray? You're going to have to raise your hand high now that everyone's standing. Yes, great. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just uh, we just need you, Lord Jesus, to move in, uh, in this house, Lord, in a mighty way, Lord. Oh, Father God, just uh, bring a fire into our hearts, Lord. Bring a hunger and a desire into us, Lord God. A boldness, Lord Jesus, that only you can bring, and a calm and a peace into our heart. Fill us with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We claim that and we speak that, Lord. Oh, Father God, we just trust you, Lord, to be our rock and our fortress, Lord. Oh, Father God, bring up, just use us as mighty servants, Lord, vessels, Lord, over and above what we ever can imagine, Lord Jesus. Bring health and healing within to our bodies, Lord. Oh, Father God, fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, we know, Lord Jesus, you are the almighty miracle worker. You are the God of signs and wonders and miracles. We claim this, Lord, for us all in the name of Jesus. We trust you. In the name of Jesus, we claim it, we speak it, and we believe it. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, just light this church, Lord, and, and your salt be spread, Lord, and, and not only your salt, Lord Jesus, but we just need you to move, Lord, in a mighty way, Lord, and to consume us, Lord, and, a, and over and above what we ever can imagine. And oh, Father God, we just love you, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your love, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's in here and that the Holy Spirit would run wild in us, Lord. We claim that, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for being our Father, our Savior, and our mighty God, Lord, for being a God, Lord, that, that does things, Lord, that we don't even expect, Lord, within us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We claim it, and we thank you for it now. We thank you ahead for what you're going to do. We thank you for the boldness, Lord, that's going to light up fires in us, Lord, and hungers within us, Lord God, for you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that now, for we know it's coming, Lord. We know you're a God that's word is true. Lord Jesus, your promises never fail. We trust all words we hear you say, and we are going to see them come to pass in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Greg, I think you need to preach. Feeling the anointing on that one. Who else? Tim? Yes? to you. Put energy in our minds to be able to focus on what you want and to do what you want when you tell us to do it without excuses because we know that your blessings will flow on our lives when we do what you tell us to do. sitting on the floor 
praying boldly over her friend. So here's my prayer. Lord, I pray that you fall on everyone in this room. I'm going to be honest. I love it. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this church, for their selflessness, their love, and their support. But Father, I want to call this church beyond that, Father, that you would touch each and every one of us to go beyond our hurts, our pain, our need, Father, and that we would build each other up more, that we would work shore up the next generation, to pour into them, Father, to protect them, to support them, to meet their needs, to speak into them, Father, to remember that they're next, that we're building a next generation, we're building what comes next, we're building warriors, that we would see beyond ourselves, that we would be selfless, Father, that we would protect each other, that we would love each other, that we would go out of our ways to minister to each other, Father God. I ask for wisdom for our pastors. I ask for strength for our pastors, for our leaders. And I ask that you would just fall powerfully in this place, that you would break bonds, that you would break walls, that you would just... Give us the strength, Father, to fight and be warriors. Not just to come to church, Father, not just to look for our needs, but to look for the good of others, not just in this church, but in our community, in our nation, in this world, Father. I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Shalom. God, I just want to thank everybody for coming into the Lord's house today and worshiping and getting the teaching from Pastor Candace. Lord, I ask that you bless each and every one of us with strength and guidance as we're out here in this world today with all the chaos that is going on. Lord, please protect us all. Yes, and build each and every one of us with love. We all need it. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. See, this is the beauty of this is you're getting to hear other people's hearts. So I pray for the things that I'm passionate about within the church, but every one of these people have hit something that I wouldn't think to pray for. This is why we all have to be praying, right? It's not just my prayers we need, it's all of ours together. It's funny, Candace, that you're doing this because I'm always finding opportunities that God is pushing me. So um, those of you that are here today and you are like me that pray for boldness and courage, um, it's funny because that's what my husband and I do. We minister and we pray to people and you may not think that I'm nervous, but I, I always am. I always feel like I don't have the right words to say and I always 
give it to the Holy Spirit. God, you're with me. Holy Spirit, speak through me. So my simple prayer today for everyone in the church is, uh, Holy Spirit, just please fill us with your boldness and your courage, God. Push us, Lord Jesus. You know, help us, you know, reach to where you want us to go, Lord God, because I know that if we just stay in that, that back corner and just hide, we can't grow. You know, if we push ourselves, that is how we grow, and that is what the Lord wants us to do. So we need to just open ourselves and be that vessel that the Lord wants us to be. Let's, you know, Heavenly Father, I just ask that you help us operate in the Spirit, Lord Jesus. May your Spirit fall on each and every one of us today. I just pray that you continue to move in this church. And I, I thank Pastor Candace and Aaron for being so great. I thank this church so much. They've done so much for us. And I'm just so thankful, Heavenly Father. Continue to be with us. And may your spirit of presence just continue to be here. I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do we have one more? Am I missing somebody? Isaiah. God, I thank you for your design and how you made us, God, with needs that we can't meet on our own so that you can bring us together, God, to help meet each other's needs. God, I thank you for family, for the complexities and difficulties of it, God, that you brought us together, that you've created a family, God, for those without one to meet the needs that you have placed inside of each of us, God. I know that many in this room have come from broken and hard families. God, I pray that you teach each of us, Holy Spirit, as you are inside of us working. God, affirm the things that need to be affirmed and the healthy aspects of how we view and how we act on our mental, how we view family. God, I pray that you work inside of us and that you discipline us and lead us, God, into the healthy ways of being a part of a family, that you remove the impurities, God, that have come from the brokenness of the families that we come from, Jesus, to teach us new things on how to be a family with each other, people who we don't share blood with, people who we might not even share common things with, God, but we do share you. Teach us to be one church united with a purpose a healthy one that contradicts and is a stark contrast god to the brokenness outside of it god make it attractive make it a light to the darkness god make this family that you have provided that you have planned and orchestrated god make it a light to the world a hope for those without families heal those god who have been broken by theirs. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, I'm going to ask you to finish us up here and dismiss us today. It is my prayer this week that you all would pray these kinds of prayers, but every day. You pray for each other, that you take on the burdens of each other, pray for each other, pray for our church, pray for what God is doing in our midst. Would you do that with me this week in particular? Set aside some time and pray. Yes? Amen. Close this out, Tom. Thank you. Amen. Was that good? Is that good? Thank you, Jesus. That was really good. Amen. I have on my refrigerator a little phrase. Prayer is communing with God not speaking at him. So it's simply a communion, and that's what just happened. Amen? One announcement, the need for the 300, I'm sorry, $1,365 that was needed for the children's camp has been met. So generous donors, we thank you for doing that. All right, let's just pray. Father God, we thank you what you had done today. Holy Spirit, you are anointing us. You are falling among us fresh every day. Thank you, Lord, that we are a people of prayer. When we're together, but also in our closet, on the road, in our factories, in our schools, in our workplaces, 
in a recreation, wherever it is, that we are constantly communing with you, praying for people, as Nehemiah did when he breathed the prayer under his breath, when the disciples boldly proclaimed it in amongst the people, wherever, Father, we pray. It's simply communing with you, sharing with our hearts, speaking the word of God. Thank you, Father, that you will anoint this week, that it will be a week like none other that this church has seen, that we will see just this revival of prayer flowing amongst us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you all. Thank you for coming and being with us. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.